Welcome again, boys and girls, to another exciting episode of Under the Dome. I'm your host, Alan Ulrich, um, with uh, my partner here, Sean Williams. How are you doing tonight, Sean? Wonderful. <laughs> well, we hope everybody has a great day today. Uh, I want to take a minute, just real briefly, to thank everyone for their prayers uh, and everything. One of these days, I'll get around to... Uh, Telling everyone exactly what's going on, but for right now, just uh, it, it's all good. Uh, we uh, we want to thank the C3 Network and Fan First Us. Um, we want to invite you guys to uh, go on YouTube and uh, iTunes as well and subscribe to the Under the Dome. Uh, What's the word, Alan? <laughs> podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Uh, podcast. Uh, we want to invite you guys to subscribe to what we're doing here. Uh, that helps us a lot. And we absolutely want you to be a part of what we're doing. Reach out to us in any way that you can. We're on uh, probably the easiest way that we're accessible right now is probably on our Facebook page, Under the Dome Podcast. Hey, I've been tweeting um, now. I, well, I, I tweet a lot more. I'm being better. <laughs> Go ahead. I said, I've just been tweeting more, so. <laughs> yeah, I never ever saw a tweet from you until I got in crime here. Uh, yeah, well, I, it's, <laughs> I get enough arguments with, uh, with Facebook, and I tend my explanations for things take more than 140 characters, so you know I have to kind of <laughs> shorten my veracity a bit, you know, and that's that's a bit difficult for me. So I'm getting a little bit better about that. Uh, if you guys want to follow us, we are at Under the Dome P O One on Twitter. Uh, Alan, my, my esteemed partner here, Alan Ulrich, is at 79. I am. At Drew's Dad thirty seven twenty one, we welcome and love to interact with our fan base. Uh, we thank everyone that supports us. Obviously, we've told you guys about something that we've had uh, in the works now for a while. We are one of the title sponsors for the Louisiana All-Stars versus the Mississippi All-Stars for the Future Stars League, which is something that uh, our guest a couple of weeks ago, uh, Joe Horn, is a part of. Well, we've got our dates and everything, and we're going to have a lot more details in the coming weeks. Um, as a matter of fact, let me pull that up real quickly uh, for not being prepared. Anyone that knows me knows that this is just like sort of par for the course. But anyway, for those people that are in our local area, April the 22nd, which is a Saturday, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Wasman High School, they're going to have uh, tryouts for the Louisiana All-Stars team. The, the fee for uh, being a part of this is $45.00. If you have a 7th or 8th grader that you think can make this team, we 
we invite you guys to come out and be a part of what we're doing. Uh, some more details of this as we progress through it. As I said, we are uh, we are title sponsors for this event, and the game between the uh, Louisiana Mississippi All Stars will be on July the seventeenth. It the the whole weekend, fourteenth. July 14th through the 17th at Wasman High School here in Monroe, Louisiana. And we we need for our Houdet Nation people to come out and support these kids. Uh, do everything that you can do to cheer these kids on. Uh, the Louisiana All-Stars, to my knowledge, in the past three games that they've played have not won yet. we got to break the streak. That's why uh, on Twitter I've started the hashtag break the streak. Um, but anyway, we'll have more information on that in the upcoming weeks. I hope in the next couple of weeks to get my man Terrell Bean on here. He's the uh, the leader of his university, which is also a part of the Future Stars League. I want him to come on and, and to share as many of the details as he possibly can for our audience. And moving right along. Uh, we want to welcome back one of our, uh, one of my, uh, I don't even know the adjective to put there. It's a guy that uh, I take great pride in saying I discovered uh, a few years ago. He, uh, the last time he was on with us, he was a freelance journalist, and I'm very happy to report to you now that uh, he has become a journalist for hootatdish.com uh and without further ado mr tom raymond how are you tonight tom as you see i'm very well i'm here with you guys so where else would i rather there be you there you go oh, great how are you guys that chase game but i'm here so i can't complain no, he's got Brandon. It's not Chase Daniels. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. I'm sorry, I'm catching up on a couple bits of news while we're while we're while we're going live. You know, so. Um. Okay, so y'all want to go ahead and start talking about um. Alan, the, uh, what? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, what is, can you bring us uh as up to date as possible on where we stand on the Malcolm Butler uh situation? There'll be a test afterwards if you're ready for this. Okay. <laughs> right now, things are... Okay, let's first begin by saying that under NFL rules, it is illegal for the Saints to negotiate a contract with Malcolm Butler. Under NFL rules, it is illegal for the New England Patriots to talk about trading a player not on their roster. According to NFL rules, it is illegal to even mention the fact of moving draft picks around without having a player under contract in exchange for that. So you have to talk about things in terms of hypotheticals. So if I am Sean Payton and Mickey Lewis, I am approaching Malcolm Butler. Hypothetically, if you were a member of the New England Patriots – and we traded for you. 
hypothetically, what kind of contract would you like to have? And hypothetically, this is the kind of contract we could offer you. Meanwhile, the, Sa the Patriots and the Saints will have conversations like this. Hypothetically, if Butler was on your roster, he had signed his tender, what would it take to get you to trade him to us, hypothetically? So that's all this is, is a hypothetical exercise. Patriot fans have got it stuck in their pea brains that because Butler is under a first-round tender and the Saints actually brought him in and had discussions, that somehow the Saints are going to make an offer sheet because that's how you normally do it with restricted free agents. You sign a player to an offer sheet, and a team has – seven days to either accept or, I mean, I'm sorry, match or reject the contract, let the player go. And if the Saints were to make, to sign Butler to an offer sheet, which is the easy way of doing this, the Saints would have to give up a first-round draft pick, which would be their first-round draft pick, which is the 11th pick overall. So the Patriot fans want to just cut to the chase, not do the hypotheticals, and go straight to Saints, make him an offer sheet, and we'll take your 11th pick for him. Gladly. Okay? That's oh, not going to happen. So. That's not going to happen. So In their dreams. You have to, yes. So you have to do all these things hypothetically because if you have contract negotiations and you have a, a, a negotiation for a trade for a draft pick – you could be accused of tampering and you could have draft picks taken away from you if the league finds that you were behaving illegally. So that's kind of where we are right now. Everything, everyone knows this is being discussed, but at the same time, nothing's happening and nothing's going to happen because there's no deadline for the, no rush on this deadline, I should say. The deadline we're looking for, I think, is April 21st, which is, uh, the last day yeah. that the uh, that Butler can sign his tender. If Butler signs his tender, then the process can get started. But if Butler's not signing his tender until he has um, he has some sort of deal in place, either with the Patriots or with the Saints. And here's the last caveat: if let's just say the Patriots and Saints can't come to an agreement on compensation. And Butler's not happy come April 21st that nothing's happened. He doesn't have to sign the tender. He can go the first 10 weeks of the regular season without signing this tender. And if he doesn't go the whole season, he's a restricted free agent again next year. He signs it the last six before the last six games of the season. He gets that accrued season and becomes a free agent next year so it's a lot of a lot of twists and turns in this story yet to come um okay so uh, let me say, let me no, ask you this. um you you're much more knowledgeable on this than i obviously uh and that's the reason that i put you in the position to to sort of somewhat explain this to our listeners but mm -hmm. realistically speaking from right now, what has to happen 
in terms of the best interests of the saints for this to turn out to benefit us. Best thing could happen? Yeah. Um, if, if for the Saints to get this play, if the, if the, if the best thing that happens is the Saints get this play, the way, the way it needs to happen is um, the Saints go through all those hypothetical conversations. Um, Butler signs a tender, and then the Patriots turn around and sign, trade Butler to the Saints for, I don't know, everyone's gung-ho about the 42nd pick overall, which is a second-round pick. They give him for a second-round pick. Um I mean, I, you know, it, I don't like it because I don't like giving up a pick and a big contract. I'd rather just sign the player and not give the Patriots any compensation. But we don't have any say so in that because the yeah. Patriots demand compensation. Uh, that's the part of that's why he's a restricted free agent. It's why Bill Belichick put the first round tender on him to make him as unappetizing yeah. as possible. And if you still have to have him. He's going to make you pay, and he's going to make you pay with whatever he decides he thinks the player is worth, and that's the market value. You pay the player a lot of money, and you give up a high draft pick, uh, whether it's the 32nd overall pick, the 42nd overall pick, or, God forbid, the 11th overall pick. It's one of those picks, okay? Um, and if somehow the Saints and the Patriots – come to some miracle agreement where they give them the thirty, the third round pick and maybe a conditional pick the next year, um, that could work out in the benefit of the Saints. So, I mean, there's so many things that can go into this. Who thought we were talking, what, three weeks ago that Brandon Cooks was worth, uh, I thought was worth two number one picks, and that never happened. He was worth – a lower pick than what we drafted him for and a third round pick. Plus we sent a fourth round pick over there to get that third round pick. So, you know, it's so many, so many things. There's a lot of surprises yet to come. Let me ask you, Tyler, uh, in terms of the best interest of the saints, is this a better team with Malcolm Butler or is this a player that we can, Basically, say, you know, enough is enough. We're moving on from this. Okay. Well, let me first off by saying cornerback is a need. You look at all the injuries on uh, your team, the Northern Saints, we had last year. Uh, so many people, we're talking more than five, you know, five uh, fingers here, um, five names. But you look at what can be brought in versus taking Butler. Obviously, you, I've seen the stats for Butler. I've seen the opposing quarterback ratings. He's a talented quarterback, a cornerback. He might not be the worst. He's certainly not the best in the league, but he's up there. And um, let's say, for example, you decide not to take Butler. That gives you, for example, more picks. That gives you a lot more cap space to work in the future with. But all in all, I think... We can afford to. We can afford to take him, but at the same time, we can't. It just depends on what we're willing to give up and how the season turns out to be come next year. But that would be my take. Uh, okay. Um, okay. As we stand right now, the, the Saints have been 
way more active in free agency this year than I can remember them being in quite some time. Zone. They made some uh, smart moves too. Yeah, ac- actually, I, I think that there's a lot to uh, to be proud of moving forward in this free agency class. Um, we have, of course, we we traded Brandon Cooks, which I think was a foregone conclusion to begin with. Um, and linebacker A.J. Klein and wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr. from the Carolina Panthers, which immediately addresses two needs with a middle linebacker and probably speak more educatedly to than I can. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. as a wide receiver, maybe not particularly uh, – make no mistake – Ted Ginn Jr., as I've seen repeatedly on uh, in, on Twitter, Ted Ginn Jr. is not to be uh, taken for a replacement for Brandon Cooks by any stretch of the imagination. But he is absolutely, and uh, to go a step further, if you ask him what his role is to be on, on this, uh, this Saints team moving forward, it's as a special teams player. Uh, I, I think that, that that's the reason that he was brought in. But we've also brought in friends of guard. And I don't – I think that two moves that are be understated in the grand scheme of things, but I don't think that they uh, – they're going to be given nearly as much credence as they should be in terms of uh, really positive moves is the re-signing of both Nick Fairley and today Sterling Moore, which I, I think is a major move. I've, I've been an advocate from day one of re-signing not only Sterling Moore, but also B.W. Webb. I think having them to compete for that cornerback job with Delvin bro with PJ Williams. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's big. And as we saw a year ago, um, you never know what can happen. And guys like Ken Crawley, who was an undrafted free agent that came through camp unscathed and made the, the final roster. All of a sudden he's a starter. Well, now you have, an undrafted free agent that may not be a starter, but he is a backup that has experience. And and at that position, that can be very, very important moving forward. But uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, well, you know, going back to Butler for a minute, you can clearly see looking at all the Saints' moves in free agency, they are addressing all the issues that haunted them in the 2015, 2016, 2017 seasons. What was some of the biggest reasons you lost games this past year? Special teams. What have they gone out and done? They've gone out and addressed the special teams by not only – we didn't mention these guys, but like that guy Curtis Banjo and, and some yeah. of those players. Shiloh you know, Keel. Shiloh Kilo, they're bringing special teams players in there. They've got a new special teams coach. They've got sure. a new kick returner. You know, you're trying to upgrade the special teams 
to be equal to your offense. Um, we're sacrificing a little offense to try and fix these things. So we traded Brandon Cooks to get extra draft picks. Um, we are probably going to use some of those draft picks, maybe to get Butler, but we're also going to use some of these draft picks to upgrade the depth of the team. We've got two middle linebackers we brought in. We brought in. We brought in Manti Teo, and we brought in uh, AJ Klein. You know what's been one of our biggest weaknesses on this team since Jonathan Vilma retired. Middle linebacker, yeah. linebacker position in general. So bringing in guys, Manti Teo and Klein both can play the weak side or the middle. You know, or they could even push Manti Teo maybe to the strong side. You know, uh, Nolan's worked with him before, the new linebackers coach. So we have a new linebackers coach. So we're getting a remodel again on the linebacking core. You know, so you're seeing they tar they, they looked at the whole film the whole of the whole 2016 season. And went back and said, okay, where are our weaknesses are? First, they fired all these coaches or, or rehired and brought in new coaches to replace old coaches because they didn't really fire Bill Johnson. They just didn't rehire him. So they brought in a new defensive line coach. Uh, you're probably going to see in the first round. Oh, Alex Okafor is a player we forgot on our list. Yeah. Alex Okafor. That's it. Is, yeah. Okafor. Defensive end. Um, you know, you brought in Okafor to try and help with the depth on defensive line. You're probably going to more than likely with the 11th overall pick draft a defensive end, whether that be Barnett or Thomas or one of those yeah. players, you know, they're going to bring a defensive end. So you're going to address your pass rush. You're addressing your linebacker position. You're addressing the secondary. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you're addressing special teams. So these are all areas of concentration the Saints need to get better at in order to win more games. And uh, that's just where this is going right now. So uh, I don't see Sterling Moore as a starter. I see Sterling Moore as your nickel back. Um, you know, and that's how you remind me. No, I'm sorry. Didn't even want to go there. Uh, I'm sorry. That's the, only, that's the only Nickelback song I know. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I guess that's good. But when you, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a oh rock star. That's the other one. Okay, so you know, that shows you how my musical taste, my musical taste, don't completely suck because uh, I only can think of one Nickelback song. But um, yeah, I, I think that you know the idea is get Butler. <laughs> You know, Burrow on the other side, P.J. Williams, who has only played a game and a quarter, you know, lets him battle more for the nickel job, and the loser goes to the dime back. And you feel like you've got a pretty good solid secondary. Uh, bring in another safety soon, and you're going to have a much younger, much more diverse, much stronger secondary than you had the year before, if everyone stays healthy. You look I, at I, you know or, I've um, said, here. I'm you want to go, Sean? I, I've I've said from day one that um, yeah. what regardless of the reasoning that you use, I don't believe that uh, PJ J and who is the other? Uh, <coughs> oh, you're talking about Swan, yeah, Swan. Damian Swan. Yeah. Yeah, you got Damian Swan. You so still have call it a, call it a gut reaction, a, a gut feeling, whatever you want to call it. I don't think that both of those guys make the roster. Damian I, Swan I really was 
Damian Swan was very close to getting cut last year because uh, in preseason because he did not look good at all. Uh, maybe it was some of the after effects of the concussion because he lost a lot of his aggression. He's shown his rookie year in 2015. That kind of went by the wayside. And in the preseason, he looked much more cautious out there, and he's making a lot of mistakes because of that. So, you know, whether or not that's you know which PJ, I mean, which uh, which Damian Swan we get, we don't know. We don't know we're going to get out of PJ Williams. Um, well, to me, he's one injury away from being gone. You know, you, you know, at some point you've got to step in, whether that be from fan standpoint, from the organizational standpoint. At some point, you got to step up and say, you know, your health, the human being, is more important than a game. Well, and you know, you've got to be concerned for the the man's health. How many concussions sure. has he had now? He had three uh, in a space of about what five weeks. Uh, he had yeah. three of them, so I mean, that's pretty significant. And again, do not put it past the Saints to draft a corner too. So, you know, you, we may be talking sure. about P.J. Williams, and P.J. Williams may be on the outside looking in, too. Uh, you know, you sure. may end up with now, if everything now, happens the way oh, – go ahead. I was going to say, if anything happens the way fans anticipate, well, you get Butler and Bro, you may have Butler, Bro, Moore, and a rookie, and somebody, you know, P.J. Williams or someone else competing for – the dime position so and, and you know there too keep in mind uh delvin bro missed the entire season basically last year uh end of the season but he wasn't delvin bro i mean there's no guarantee that being said there's no guarantee that he comes back completely unscathed to the yeah. to the to the delvin bro that we saw <laughs> I um I, I'm a little more confident in Bro than some of the other people are. I mean, I thought the fans kind of anointed him too early in the sure. uh, his his first year. I sure. thought he was good, very good, but not great. And they were making him out to be great, but clearly he was good enough in 2015 and 2014. No, 2015. Sorry, 2015. That you know, you could see a huge drop off in 2016 from the time he broke his leg to uh oh, Sean disappeared. Uh, 2016 to uh, uh, once his leg was broken, he just was not. It, the Raiders' offense suddenly got to be a lot better once he was gone. Yeah. And so and had that. I was going to say too. Oh, had, Del- uh, had Delvin Brooks' leg injury happened? Half of a quarter later than it did, the Saints would have won that game. Delvin well, Brown going down would... was the was the uh, <coughs> the impetus, if you want to call it that, to the Raiders winning that game. They did absolutely nothing in terms of throwing the ball, uh, moving the ball successfully until Bro went down. Well, they, I had, just... they had the big run back, you know, on that one touchdown run. But, yeah, once Bro got hurt, you know, suddenly the passing game took off. But, Tyler, let's go ahead and talk to you since we've been talking the whole time. I was, like, saying, I was, trying, to I was trying to get in. Um, what you guys said earlier about a decade ago um, about the draft, 
they brought in, it's starting, it's starting to take shape. You almost have a position now where you can afford beyond defensive end, possibly linebacker, you can afford to take best player available, or even if you want to, even though I'm personally against it, splurge on offense, if they must, you know, because you, we all know how Sean Payton is. But you look at the people they brought in. You look at A.J. Klein, who was um, sitting behind Thomas Davis, who turned out to be a phenomenal linebacker for Carolina. Uh, Luke Heckley, a phenomenal linebacker for Carolina. When Luke Heckley got hurt, uh, A.J. Klein stepped in and did pretty well. So we acquired him. You look at Okafor, who came in, although has been injured, has still been productive. And when I looked at the stats, was actually in less snaps, more productive than Paul Kruger. So we have an upgrade there. You look at all the little pieces the Saints are bringing in to help. And they're getting there. It just depends on what else are we going to do in the draft. It's getting there. That's all I'm going to say. Well, you you need you clearly needed bodies. I mean, that's yeah. that's been our problem in 2015 and 2016. You know, we lose five cornerbacks, so we're signing Sterling Moore. He's starting week two. Yeah. You know, we got B.W. Webb starting week three because P, uh, P.J. Uh, Williams gets knocked out. I mean, you know, you're, you're starting street-free agents who did not go through training camp with you, um, yeah. you know. 2015, we were down to, what, James Anderson, I think, was one linebacker we had for a while. Uh, This year, we had to bring in another linebacker in off the street and play. We had to bring a tight end off the street. Um, You know, just being ravaged by injuries. Yeah, you need to have depth. So, you know, some people are like, oh, why are they hoarding all these middle linebackers? They're hoarding bodies. Because we need them. Yeah, Yeah, you need bodies. Uh, You still need need linebackers. Right. So it's very likely going to draft some. And I do agree. I think they will take offense. In fact, I can guarantee you, <laughs> barring if Butler goes, say, the second round, and I'll, I'll explain why I don't like this, that move, but let's say Butler goes with a 40-second pick, that I promise you, in the remaining four picks that are left in the first and yep, third he's round, going offense. two offensive players, I promise you, it'll be two offensive players no receiver be one. Receiver be one, and running back or quarterback will be the other. One of those positions. What about tight end, though? Incidentally, end? you can incidentally, see a tight end going too. Incidentally, today hmm. Sean Payton is at Lubbock, Texas, conducting private workouts with Patrick Mahomes. Just say no to him. Just oh, say come no on, to man. him. That's my favorite Mahomes. quarterback. Not Mahomes, but no. <laughs> it, Texas Tech reminds me of the University of Houston in the early, the late 1980s, early 1990s, that run and shoot they used to run. Well, those quarterbacks put up well, these huge numbers, and then they get to the NFL and are like, tell me, <laughs> tell me you would yeah. give anything for Andre Ware to come to New Orleans. Andre Ware, David <laughs> Klingler. I mean, you know, it. it if these guys winning Heisman trophies and and you know this offense we're just putting up video games numbers sec, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl kind of numbers uh, without Bo Jackson because we're talking about the early eighties yeah. John Matt, Madden hadn't been invented yet um, and you can you can clearly visualize them saying, you want fries with that 
Yeah. <laughs> that my problem my problem with that quarterback, and we'll, we'll get more into that. My problem with that quarterback is I don't like his footwork. I don't like his mechanics, and I think he's like a jugs machine, just on just running wild. The ball just yeah. goes everywhere. I mean, it, it, it's. It's fine for a college offense where receivers are wide open, but when you got to fit it through tight windows, I just don't see it. There's other quarterbacks I like much better than him. There, to be honest, just too I, much in- I, I've said this repeatedly, and I'll, I'll I'll go through it briefly once more for the sake of this conversation. To me, the the most, um, and I'm trying to choose words carefully here, the most adjusted maybe uh, the most experienced quarterback in the draft this year in terms of playing uh, top level quarterback level um, would be Deshaun Watson. And at the very best, I see Deshaun Watson as being a three to five year project player at best. Uh, This is, it's a very weak quarterback class, in my opinion. Yeah, I I do like Patrick Holmes. I do like Nathan Peterman. Uh, yeah, I like Peterman. I don't. Now, now that being said, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying coming in and taking over a Cleveland Browns, New York Jets team, and taking them to the playoffs, Super Bowl in in the coming season. I don't see that happening. This the. the of players that we're talking about. And then you look and then, at the, oh. Go ahead, Dylan. Oh, thanks. I just had something real quick. You look at the quarterbacks. In my opinion, none of them are really even worth a first-round grade. At the very beginning, no. I, I, I thought uh, these quarterbacks weren't very good to begin with. And you have all these teams now, all the speculation. It's growing. It's blooming. Um, It's just – I think it's overhyped right now. That would be – one word I would describe this quarterback class right now, teams are sending them up here where they're really down here. Yeah. The media, that's just my, thought. well, the media is driving this and I, I, they always have, I felt like the media pressured the jets yeah. into taking Geno Smith. I wouldn't draft that clown at all. I knew he was going to be terrible from the get go, but the, the media was kind of on you know, draft day was just pushing and pushing you know, and if you have a lot of quarterback needy teams, I mean the 49ers, the Jets, the Browns, um, and see, you know, see, that's what I think makes for for, I mean, for guys like us that sit here and uh, compound on things and speculate and and what have you. That's what drives what we do so much. But there's going to be teams like uh, right off the top of my head here, the 49ers this in this draft. This year, the 49ers, the Chicago Bears, the New York Jets, these guys have mm-hmm. no franchise quarterback. And if you're to build a foundation towards a Super Bowl title, whether that be a one-year run or you're trying to supplant the New England Patriots in terms of being the latest, greatest dynasty, the very first foundational block that you have has got to be your franchise quarterback. Yeah. Those things that <clears throat> – uh, and they'll tell you up front they're reaching exactly, um, and in my opinion, exactly what the the Eagles did a year ago with Wentz. They absolutely but they pushed put, on him. But they put him out there. They put him out there. Let him take his hits, and he did do some good things. I mean, the, the Rams 
really set Jared Goff back a bit because they kept him off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they really had nothing. Uh, so it's not like a situation where you had years ago with uh, Steve McNair where you had uh, Cody Carlson out there playing for a little while before McNair took over. Uh, you really didn't have anything in Los Angeles that you shouldn't have gone ahead and just put golf out there to begin with. You weren't going to win that division. Uh, let him take his lumps, just like the Eagles. Let Wentz take his lumps and see what you got there. And as a yeah, team that – They'll learn. Um, yeah. As a team, like uh, John McKay used to say, uh, you don't learn anything sitting on the bench. You learn how to drink some water. You learn how to read a clipboard. You don't know. You don't learn how to play the game unless you're out there getting beat up, and it's a sad but true thing. Um, and a team like the Browns, with you know the stockpile of draft picks they've got now, they can actually afford to burn one off on one of these quarterbacks, say a Deshaun Watson or the the kid from North Carolina or even the kid from uh, Notre Dame. Um, they can Kaiser. burn off Kaiser. Uh, the Kaiser, yeah, there we go. Uh, you could burn off one of those picks, those high-round picks, and it really is not going to hurt you because you've got so many later on, you know, the next year because of the trades they've made um, that you can see, okay, let me see what we get out of this. Um, <clears throat> I personally felt like if the Saints were going to take a, qu- a quarterback – that the fourth round was about the best place to start taking one. Yeah. And there's enough fans out there because of Chip Kelly's injured knee, they think that the Saints would probably get a steal by taking Chip Kelly in the sixth or seventh round. Um, I think you're going to be fighting Buffalo for that pick. I think Buffalo is really driven because, like the Manning name here in uh, New Orleans, I think the Kelly name in Buffalo – You've got a lot of people who want the Bills to take Chip Kelly this year in the draft. So Chad. I'm sorry, Chad. I kept saying Chip. I'm sorry, Chad. Uh, Chad. I'm sitting thinking, what good is Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly's the 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 horrible (laughs) head coach. Sorry. That's what happens when you get cross circuit names like this. To be to to be completely honest with you, uh, and as far as that goes, uh Tyler can probably speak more to this than I can uh, because he's done all the the uh, due diligence on it. In terms of uh, Chad Kelly, in my opinion, and this is strictly my opinion, Chad Kelly is Johnny Manziel 2.0. Uh, he, he is a nuclear holocaust waiting to happen, and I'd, I would err on the side of Caution <coughs> comes to him. Hey, but okay. if you take him, if you take him in the seventh round, it doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. You take him in the seventh round, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, if you take him in the first round, like you took Manziel, or the second round, yeah, that's a disaster. And if you take him as your quarterback of the future, I mean, as I much as we pretend- I don't pretend or profess to be Mike Mayock, uh, mm-hmm. and you can add any of those uh, those names in there. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't even pretend to to have that kind of knowledge. I don't. I really and truly, I don't see any quarterback 
in this class that really and truly can be a benefit for the New Orleans Saints to sign or draft or sign where you want to look at it. To be totally honest with you, it, it, as far as my opinion goes, the Saints would come out better in the long run to bring Chase Daniel back. And I know that he had a visit here earlier this week. Bring Chase Daniel back. Let allow Daniel to be a transitional quarterback if it works out that way. Uh, because, you know, honestly, it's hard to develop a, a working plan if you want to – I have a hard time choosing the correct words here. It's hard to develop a working plan towards the future when you really and truly you don't know if you're going to have Drew Brees for one game, uh, one season moving forward. I, In terms of gut feeling, I, I really and truly I expect before we reach this point next year, that the Saints uh, re-up Breeze for another two seasons. Yeah. It's, that's pretty much – I think that's pretty likely, barring any kind of decline in Breeze's play, which I don't think will happen. Look, uh, well, the other I mean, if, if you think about can... it, they've worked, they've worked themselves to a corner for all practical intents and purposes. They've, backed them, they've painted themselves into a corner option but to do that they have no contingency plan i mean well, if, you, if not... drew Briggs was to fall out his front door tomorrow and completely uh obliterate his knee what would the saints do what would the patriots right. do if that happened to tom brady what would the patriots do that happened right. to tom brady what, what would um you know what would the Colts do if that happened to Andrew Luck? What would the Colts – what would uh, – just go down the list of teams. The Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Pack, yeah, the Pack. well, the Packers – yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a difference maker. But, yeah, you, you look at so many teams, the idea that you go from Montana to Young, Favre to Rodgers, um, it's so rare that – no team really has a contingency plan. They really don't because they can't afford the roster space. And let's just say, like, because the Patriots, there's still a rumor out there, the Patriots are going to change Trey Garoppolo to the Browns for a draft pick. Um, so, and here's Brady. He's older than uh, Breeze. And again, and you saw with Brady being out, when they started to lose some of these quarterbacks, that the offense didn't run as well. The offense didn't look as good, you know. So, you this idea, I guess, that the Saints have to have that quarterback of the future on the roster now, you know. It, I don't know. It, it seems to be more uh, again of a media-driven narrative. Yeah. You know, well, one of these draft picks has to be a quarterback. I think there are some a couple quarterbacks on in this draft that. Given some time, can be capable backups, possibly game managing kind of starters. Um, you know, I don't think there's a franchise quarterback out there, but you really don't get a franchise quarterback unless you're drafting one or two. 
in the draft. Um, I agree. You know, that's how the Colts got Andrew Luck. They went through that yeah. that 12 and – I mean, 2 and 12 – I'm sorry, 2 and uh, 14 or 3 and 13 kind of season where they were in the – they were picking one or two. Um, you know, when that's the That's the Chargers, way they got Peyton Manning as well. Yeah, when the Chargers got Drew Brees, they were picking first overall when they traded to Atlanta, and they took Brees in the second – first pick of the second round. Um because they took uh, Daniel Tomlinson at the first overall pick. Um, well, I'm sorry, Atlanta's pick. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, it's been a while here. But I mean, the point is, you know, you have to, you have to go through that horrible season and get that quarterback. Very few teams are lucky enough to get that quarterback, like the Packers did, where Aaron Rodgers did that that slide in where he was supposed to be going one or two all the way down to the 20s, I think, when the Packers were picking. Or, you know, the Patriots lucked out with Brady and went through that, you know, went through five rounds and were able to get uh, Brady in the sixth. That's rare, though. That doesn't happen very often. So, I mean, that's just my take on this. You're you're not going to get a – I mean, it's – I'm not going to say that – let me let me back up here. You're not going to get that uh, once in a generation franchise quarterback by uh, picking him up in the fourth, fifth round of the NFL draft. That that happens about happening once a team. That happens like once in the league every decade or so. Well, you you want a you want a franchise quarterback? You're gonna have to have just like, uh, just like Alan just said, you're gonna have to have that first or second pick in the draft. And in terms of that, and even uh, then, even then, you're not guaranteed because you're just as likely to get uh, a uh, what the hell is his name, Ryan Leaf, as much as you got a Peyton Manning. You know, Ryan I, Leaf was second and, overall pick. And you, Rick Meyer I, was second overall pick behind uh, Drew Bledsoe. You know, so. Even then, you're not guaranteed to get a franchise quarterback. What was it? 2000 and um, no, 1999 was supposed to be the quarterback draft where you had uh, Cade McNown, Achilles Smith, um, God, Donovan McNabb. Um, oh, Donovan I'm trying McNabb. To think of all the, yeah, I'm trying to think of all the quarterbacks who win that draft. Uh, Cade McNown. This is a funny thing. I'll mention this because uh, I'm doing a little series right now in NOS, uh, New Orleans Saints Facebook group, about uh, the worst and best draft trades or uh, best trades the Saints have ever made and the worst they ever made. I'm going to mention this when we get to the Ricky Williams trade. Um, had Mike Dicka not been able to make the trade for Ricky Williams, let's just say Ricky Williams would have gone to the Eagles instead of McNabb or gone to the Colts instead of Edwin James, the Saints were going to take with that eighth overall pick. I think they had that year, the eighth or seventh overall pick. They were going to take Cade McNown right there in the draft. So you would have Cade McNown as your starting quarterback, <laughs> thrown in the mix with the Billy Joe, Billy Joes, and Jake Delone. And I think that was the year that we got Kerry Collins off the drink. Um, I, I don't think yeah, so. I think have, that was a year later. 
No, it would have been 98. That'd have been the year earlier. 98 might have been uh, might have been uh, Kerry Collins. But and regardless, regardless, Cade McNown was going to be the pick. So <clears throat> yeah, imagine that. Cade McNown coming in, and that's who Jim Hazel had to fool with uh, in that year 2000 <laughs> when we won the playoff playoff game. So instead, you know, it, instead he went to Chicago and just kind of faded off into oblivion. Well, they figured out with like Achilles Smith when a year he wasn't that good of a quarterback. I mean, uh, Achilles well, Smith. See, that's the thing. Every, every team has to have a quarterback, and Every year, quarterbacks come out of the NCAA. And I think in recent – and I've said this before. In recent years, their movement in the NCAA that rather than prepare these quarterbacks to move on to the NFL, they've been more geared towards competing at the college level and succeeding at that level than they are – to prepare the uh, the guys for playing at the NFL level. Well, it's a and, different kind of offense. You have a much more simple absolutely. spread concept offense, and you don't play – you know, when you play in the collegiate level, even if you're playing on an LSU team or an Alabama team, uh, if you're playing LSU or Alabama, you're playing with maybe 12 or 13 guys who are NFL-caliber players. Most of the time when you're a ball team and you talk about 100 guys on the sideline, each team, you're playing with maybe four guys out there who are NFL caliber players. Because you got to think about it. Only 200 and what, 280 players, maybe 284 players get drafted each year. And of those 284 players, at least – 50 of them never make it in the NFL. Maybe yeah. 75 of them never make it in the NFL. So, you know, that's not even all the players in one game on both sidelines combined. And think about how many college football games are played. So yeah. that's why I said you're playing with maybe one or two guys who are NFL caliber players. So, yeah, your offense, like Archie, like Peyton Manning told Archie one time, his rookie year, he said, Dad, no one is ever open. And it's because in college football, if you think about it, a wide receiver is always wide open. No defensive back within five or six yards of him. When in college and pro football, you've got to throw people open. You know, and that's that's a huge difference. You're playing with maybe two or three guys who could run four fours or four or better. In college football, you're playing with guys who are running 5.0 40-yard dashes. Yeah. So, And you're not paying uh, defensive backs at the University of Tennessee several million dollars to uh... – well, uh, unless you're Alabama. That's a different <laughs> – for a different time. Uh, moving right along, uh, I, I wanted to make time for this, and this is something that, uh, admittedly, and y'all forgive me, but uh, this is something that's kind of close to my heart. Uh, Tyler, you you recently, and I'm not talking about Toth. 
Okay. I'm talking about uh, you did a couple of weeks ago. You want to, people? Absolutely. So a few weeks ago, I would say I was blessed with the opportunity of um, interviewing this guy right here. And no, it was not Alan. (laughs) Sean Williams. Um, I'm not nearly as interested in interview. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day. But um, for those who didn't know, um, Sean was diagnosed with cancer uh, a few few years back. He beat it. But um, the story that he went through, the perils, you know, the multitasking of being a father, being a husband, being a Saints fan, going through it all while having to deal with the fact that you might die. It's really, it's inspirational. It's touching. It, it was really close to my heart. It's close to his heart, you know, and even he's getting emotional right now. And it's just, it's a really great story. And for those who haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It was a great interview and it's probably one of my better pieces I've ever written. So yeah. I want to, I want to tell you, um, First and foremost, anyone that wants to find this, if you can't, uh, if you can't find the article, which we're gonna, uh, before the evening is done, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have Tyler tell you guys how to how to locate his uh, his work. But um, anyone that can't find it, reach out to me. I, I can put you on to it. Um, and I want to tell Tyler. Uh, for the longest time, I'll put you off and I'll put you off uh, because I just didn't think that anyone would uh, would really be interested in hearing my story and what went on with me. And um, I've been I've been really pleasantly surprised by uh, the reaction that I've received that I've received. And I, I wasn't even the uh, the author of this uh, uh, that I've received. Uh, as per being a part of this project that you did. And uh, I want to tell you that I, I'm both uh, both blown away and completely humbled by the fact that uh, people are interested to hear the gory details, mm. so to speak, of what I went through. Uh, and, and once again, the, the one thing, if I don't, um, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. If I don't pass on anything else, as as far as the the experiences that I had, what I went through, I want everyone to understand. First and foremost, I'm not special. The world has a cross to bear, and this is something that I told Tyler in the process. Of this interview. yeah, it's in the article. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm not special. What I went through was probably by some definitions, it was kind of awful, but everyone has their cross to bear and you can make a difference in someone's life. You just putting your hand on the hey guys, I'm with you. Uh, I'm praying for you. Just whatever you can do to help someone who's, Carrying a heavy load. Uh, be there for someone. That makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. You know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't quite going to say it yeah. on a cross. I was going to say it was more like a stone, you know, this giant <laughs> that was yeah. on you. And now it's passed. Yeah. 
Not that full of log. You might be able to catch that one. You're going to laugh at that joke later I, on. I, I'm, I'll hit you up. I'm going to hit you up about midnight and say, oh, I got it. The <laughs> <laughs> stone, and now it's oh. passed. There we go. Okay. Um, all right. Let me see. I think, I think we've. I cannot believe this. We have actually talked about everything we had on tap to talk about. I am very impressed. We did a great job. We even talked about things that were not on the list today. <laughs> so uh, this is a first for us. Of course, we didn't let Tyler talk hardly at all, so that's why we did. I, I got my words <laughs> in. Every, I got my words in here and there. So, um, Tyler, we had uh, this uh thing that we do every week we call it the extra points it's where you can call out someone in the media you can uh, bring to light something that you don't necessarily agree with you get to make a point and on our dime do you have anything that you'd like to add for an extra oh. point this week oh you, you have to give me a minute i gotta think um here you guys think of something first say it and i'll say something Oh, this is tough. Hey, I've already talked okay. about some of the things I complained okay. about. I mean, the big thing, <laughs> I, I like I said, the, my big thing is I you're going to see it come draft day. Yeah, I think yeah. I've got it. I think I've got it. Um, so I'm just going to say as a whole, they weren't very good last year. Obviously, seven and nine, they've been making strides to improve. You look at what they're doing right now. You look at what they're going to be doing when they get to the draft, which I'm personally really excited uh, to be. You know. Uh, involved in, you know, with keeping up with everyone they're signing and whatnot. But um, this team is making moves to get where they need to be. I'm not saying Super Bowl next year. I'm not saying that. But I will say if they keep on getting the gears turning, I would say a lot more wins than last year. That's going to be my point. So, <laughs> Alan? Well, I mean, I you're up. Some- I talk about some of them. I, you know, my my thing is, I, I you know, I think that there is a um, a bit too much of a media push for the Saints to make bold, aggressive moves like getting Butler. Uh, we went through kind of the hypotheticals of, you know, why it's so hard to sign a player like Butler because of the fact he's a restricted free agent. Um, and that you have to get a compensation for him as well as a big contract. And that really bothers me, especially because you're dealing with Bill Belichick, who has a plan. You know, here here we go, a movie quote here. We're going to go hunt for October, you know, and um, Russians don't take a dump without a plan, son. Um, Bill Belichick doesn't take a dump without a plan. And he has a plan, and he has an idea that he's going to lose a player, how he's going to benefit from this. He is not going to lose on this. And um, I I just feel like that people are pushing and pushing and pushing for this to happen because I think it's it's something that sounds too good to be true, that we can get one of these top cornerbacks and play for our defense, and our defense is going to be so much better that we're not thinking about long-term repercussions of this deal and what happens if it's a failure. And we that's cry. Just, well, it's it. I mean, it's going to be beyond crying. It's going to be, I think this is going to cost people's jobs 
if probably this, yeah if this fails because we've gone from this as a pendulum that swings back and forth um the saints in one breath are going to go build through the draft we're going to make this team young bring in playmakers, make up for the bad draft picks, and then they go right back to this side and go, oh, but you know what? We're going to make big, bold moves. We're going to sign big players because Drew's only got so many years left. We're going to have one more room for Drew, one more for Drew. And then we go right back over here and say, oh, no, we need to build through the draft. We need a youth movement. We need to have cheaper, younger players, all these things. And I, I think if you keep doing this back and forth, you end up – Seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine, because you're not committing one way or another to to a plan. And the Patriots, on the other hand, have a plan and execute that plan, and it never changes year to year. So that's that's what bothers me with this whole we've got to get Butler movement. Uh, I just think we need to back off and, and think about the repercussions and have a plan in case things don't happen. That's just my that's my points. That's a good okay, point. Okay, I'll I'll probably I'll probably bounce a, a little bit off of uh, what Alan said. You know, if we get Malcolm Butler, great. If we don't, oh well. If you, if you will check uh, check things come September, Saints are still going to tee it up. They're still going to play. If Malcolm Butler is a part of the New England Patriots or a part of the New New Orleans Saints or part of the New Manchester whatever, Saints still going to tee it up. And it's still going to be crucial that they win. Uh, my point is this team is not going to be made or lost by the acquisition of Malcolm Butler as in terms of being a player on the Saints roster. Uh, the Saints are still going to have to tee it up. They're going to have to win. I think that some of the moves that they've made in free agency thus far, the A.J. Klein's, the re-signing of Nick Fairley, the re-signing of Sterling Moore, I think that all of these are steps in the right direction. I think that that in the grand scheme of things, that's probably going to have to work hand in hand with whatever we, we see on April the 27th, when the draft begins, we have two first round selections and as of uh, now, do what? As of now we have two first round selections. I, yeah. I might get rid of it. I was about to say, uh, I don't see that changing. Um, I know that of things, uh, the dark, evil emperor, aka Bill Belichick, uh, and every time I, I, I apologize, every time I think of Bill Belichick, I, I think of Alan, and I see Bill Belichick with a hood down to about right here, going, "Things are <laughs> progressing as I envisioned them." Um, no, it's uh, <laughs> everything yeah. is proceeding. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen it. It was uh, I who allowed the Rebel Alliance a location of the shield generator. It is guys, quite safe from your pitiful little band. I can do the whole movie. I mean, I've just seen it that many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Feel the anger welling inside. Good, good. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> oh, and those are the parts that I got more than anything else. The hate and... Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Uh, I am alone. Strike me down with it and your journey towards a dark side will be complete. My kids are just laughing at me right now that are watching this because like, I've seen Dad <laughs> do this. <laughs> You should see and my Vader, too. My Vader's really good. I got this vision of Eddie Murphy with a lightsaber going. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, um, you know, I all BS aside, I, I think that we're in terms of right here, right now, I think that we're looking at probably a, a better Saints team. I, yeah. I like the move that we've made. I don't think that we've made enough moves to uh, to turn the machine off and say, okay, we've done enough. Uh, but at at last uh, the last accounting that I had, we were in the neighborhood of probably five mil below the salary cap. And yeah. you guys have to keep in mind we still, we still have an entire draft class that we have to sign mm-hmm. I, I really and truly anticipate this being basically the end of our free agency moves but that being said if this is if this has been the, uh, the summation what our free agency is for this year I consider that to be a colossal step forward as to as compared to what we've done in recent years uh, yeah. but make no mistake about it in the there again in the big picture that we're looking at I don't think free agency means diddly if you don't pair that with a very productive draft class to go with it yeah I mean yeah. um uh... You need to have, because you traded Brandon Cooks away, honestly, you need to have a 1986-1981-2000 or 2006 type of draft class. And I mean, what I mean by that is you need to get players not only in the first couple of rounds, but you need to see players in the third round. If they trade back in somehow to the fourth or fifth round, you need those players contribute. I mean, you even think about, you know, uh, Zach Streif and uh, Marcus Colston both contributed. They were seventh round picks. Uh, in 1981, Jim Wilkes was a 12th round pick when they had 12 rounds in the draft. Uh you know, in 1986, you had four thir- three third-rounders, and all of them contributed. You had Dalton Hilliard, Ruben Mays, Pat Swilling, I think Barry Word were all third-round picks. I could be wrong. I think Hilliard may have been a second-round pick. But regardless, they were all contributors. It wasn't just the first-round pick. So you need to have that kind of draft again. And my, I'm hoping that the Saints trade down. I really am. Um uh, I would like to get a defensive in an 11. Um, you know, if that guy isn't there, I would love to see them trade down and, and add more and more picks because 
I think you need to have numbers. And you're, we talk about this in free agency, they're bringing in numbers to upgrade the, the team and build the depth. You need to do that for the draft, too. You need to build numbers. And um, one last thing about the salary cap. Don't forget, you know, Bird is a post-June 1 cap cut. So yeah. you're talking about more money coming in. So you can make some moves. Probably around $12 we'll have, million. Yeah, you will have some cash left over when you uh, when you get to – you know, training camp era, and and you're also going to uh, you can you can kind of structure contracts and so forth that guys you're going to get to you can play with the money essentially. So, and I think they're going to move. Yeah. I think they're going to do some restructuring with um, both Cam Jordan and with uh, Armstead as well to free up a little bit more cash uh, to draft. So, Ty, anyway. look at two. Um, Ty, yeah, go ahead, buddy. Okay, I was gonna say um to add on what you said, Alan. Um, they have the picks. You you think of it uh, from a draft standpoint, as it was to get rid of Cooks. You have another first rounder. You have another opportunity to get a quality starter that could mm-hmm. help uh, help Drew Brees and their offense if needed. If you want to go that route, you have another defensive end, another cornerback, another linebacker that can help. If needed, it's just a must of hitting on just about every single pick. You look at it too. I agree with you, Alan, that the Saints should um, uh, trade down because you look at it, uh, they have been known to trade up in recent uh, times that has given them less picks in those drafts. Um, you look at it uh, from this way, from um, an equation, so to speak. The more picks you have, the better chances of you succeeding with all those picks if you let's say the saints trade up and do a whole bunch of stuff only have three four picks you you only have two of those that succeed that cuts it right down and i I agree with you though they have the picks just depends on who they sign and what they do i've said that before you know when it comes to drafting um you know, one of the reasons I had a story out last week about how the Saints were the absolute worst at drafting since 2012. Well, coincidentally yeah. enough, they've also had the fewest amount of picks since 2012. Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, if you have 10 it's a matter picks. Of not failing. Right. You have 10 picks. No no draft class. Every player makes the team. It, it just doesn't happen. Even if they yeah. do make the team, they're not long-term contributors. You're going to have two or yeah. three guys who aren't going to do it. The difference is if you have 10 to 12 players that you draft and six of them make the team, that's a good draft class. That's a good draft if class. You, if you only have, yeah, if you only have six picks and two or three of them make the draft, make it, that's not a good draft that's class. Because you only have two or three players make the team. And maybe out of those three players, one's an impact player. That's a horrible draft. So the more picks you have, unless you're the Cleveland Browns, the more people the Jacksonville Jaguars, the more picks you have, and this is the secret to the Patriots' success, the more successful you are because you are lessening your margin of error in making the wrong pick. So. I want to invite everyone to – that. I know a lot of our uh, our followers, fans, type people. Uh, <laughs> they they already do, but in case you you are not one of those that do, I invite you guys to uh, Saints page on Facebook.
and follow Alan's writing. Uh, it's really, uh, <laughs> I'm looking for the proper adjective and I can't think of it. Uh, wordy, if very you, wordy. If you want, <laughs> if you want a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history, He's both your past, present, and future, Rick is your man. Uh, follow what he writes. Uh, I thought, and, and this is a revelation here. Um, when we entered into this partnership uh, six, eight months ago, uh, I thought I knew a lot about the New Orleans Saints. And <laughs> I met Alan and I thought, boy, uh, if, to this learn. Was, if this was real work, I'd oh, spell cat with a K and two T's. Yeah, let me tell you, uh, my knowledge of Saints history, not only is it a lot of it comes from firsthand experience, it's the way people remember natural disasters. Where were you when John F. Kennedy was shot? Where were you? Because you remember horrible things. It was hard. Where were you when Big Ben happened? Oh, well, I can tell you exactly where I was when Big Ben happened. Where were you when the punch sailed over Russell Erksleben's head? I was 12 years old. No, 11 going on 12. I was, you know, and that was the first time I said the F word loudly in front of my family. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that's the kind of things you remember is traumatic experiences. You're like, oh, my God. That's why and these things shape your life. Because now when you watch a Saints game, you're going, like my wife says all the time, because she grew up with this stuff too. My wife will say all the time, "How much are they up by? Twenty-one points? Oh God, they're going to lose this game. <laughs> you know, it's twenty-one points, four minutes up. No worry, they will find a way to lose because it happened. You saw it happen in front of you, and it doesn't matter if it's Drew Brees out there now. You still have these visions of you know a, a hail mary just coming, bouncing." You know, everybody else knocks it down, and a Cleveland Browns receiver catches it for their first win of the season. I mean, that kind of stuff. You know, supernatural. The things. first time I, ever, first time I ever heard the term "snatch defeat from the jaws of victory" was in reference to the New Orleans Saints. Oh God, yes. Oh God, yes. They find more ways to lose. Oh my God. Yeah, that's why. You know, when I see people bitch about the Saints today, I'm just like, you don't get it. You have not lived no. through a frustration. You haven't earned. And, yeah. You haven't earned the right to bitch. Sit down. I mean, I watched a Monday night game in 1990, which John Cade started against the 49ers, and I mean. Ricky Jackson and Pat Swallow, like, they were being shot out of cannon. They were having a race. Let's see, who can get to Montana first? Montana was going on a three-step drop and would drop into a fetal position because he doesn't want to get hit. That's how fast they're blowing through this. And we can't score a freaking touchdown to save our lives. So, you know, it, it's 12-7. to 7, And, you know, we're just beating the hell out of the 49ers offensively. They're just beating up the 49ers. We just cannot move the ball enough to, to win the game. Until the last two minutes of the game, and then suddenly now Montana can't miss anybody. Jerry Rice is running wide open everywhere, and sure enough, they win the game. You know, thirteen to twelve uh, on a Monday night game, and the crowd is just losing it. They're going crazy, you know. And that happened in '83, you know, with 
uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. Mike Lansford kicks that last second field goal. The four, and the Rams did nothing all day, and until that final drive, and then they just kept going and they get the field goal. And I mean, I could go through this all day. It's like uh, Ralph Marlboro is going to do Drunk Saints history. I could do Drunk Saints history right along with <laughs> it because you know it's just it, it's so painful to remember some of these things. I can sure. guarantee. I can guarantee you, Tyler, sitting there going, wait a minute, I've heard of Montana. Rice, wait a minute, there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mike Lansford, I no, I don't know who that guy is. He's a ball, he's a uh, barefoot kicker. That was that was his gimmick oh, yeah. uh, with the Rams. He was a barefoot kicker. Uh, but, yeah, it's just uh, those kind of things. Buddy, uh, we, we want to thank you so much for being a part of our show again. Uh, Anytime. And, and I, pers- I love being here. Pers- I want to tell you I very much appreciate the fact that you chose to include me in your work. Uh, I'm both uh, both blown away and humbled by not only uh, the job that you did, but also the, uh, the the amount of reaction that I've got that I've gotten to what you did. As have I. I've gotten a lot too. Uh, I want to tell you that it's a uh, Again, I, I'm I'm humbled at at the reaction that that has come my way mm. over your work, and I want to tell you I I am uh, I'm blown away by the job that you did. I very much appreciate you you uh, opting to include me in that. Can yeah. you uh you tell people uh how to follow your work? Okay, so first off, I'm an avid Twitter user. So most of the time, I will be contacting fans, um, posting my work on Twitter. You can follow me at Raymond Tyler M, one D T Y L E R M. Um, second, I write for Who That Dish. I'm very proud to now announce that. Um, been so for a little while now. Um, like I said, just follow me at Who That Dish. If you want to see my article specifically, I cover different mock drafts. I just had a recent seven round mock draft that came out. I'm not going to tell you who, but you'll have to see. you have to read it. Um, other ones, I have different interviews with Sean Williams, uh, a former Kentucky offensive lineman, uh, John Toth, who we mentioned earlier, who is now a potential NFL draft prospect. All those and so much more. You can follow me, or not follow me, but you can uh, read those at whodatdish.com slash author slash T. Raymond to see my article specifically. But if you want to see it in general, with the rest of my writers, you know, my friends and whatnot, whodatdish.com. So. Very good. Very good. And uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter, too, 79 Saints. And I call myself 79 Saints because as a kid, that was my favorite team uh, of all the Saints teams, the 1979 uh, team, because that was the team with Chuck Muncie, Tony Galbraith. In fact, when I was a kid, I had a number 42 jersey. Uh, Wes Chandler, Ike Harris, Henry Childs, uh, Conrad Dolder was on that team, Tommy Myers, Darlene Moore, go on and on, Joe Fettispe. Wow. Jim Merlo. Uh, I've got, I've watched enough of the 79 season. I can go back and name every player on that team. But I mean, that was the How first time Saints... we have. Yeah, I know. That was the first Saints team that have five, have five pro bowlers on that team. Five Saints mm-hmm. went to the pro bowl. And if you think about that, the last time a Saints player went to the pro bowl prior to that year, 
I think was 1971, maybe 72. Wow. You know, so, or maybe even further than that might've been 68, but uh, no, can't be 68. Cause I know Bramowitz went at least once. So yeah, it, it, it was a long time uh, before you had that much talent on a team. And that was a fun team to watch when they won. They were good for about a quarter and a half. You know, it was, it's like, <laughs> it's like Drew Brees being only good for about Fancy a quarter. quarters were great. Yeah. Yeah. Four quarters. They, you know, that was a running joke. Two running jokes that were going with the Saints for a long time. How come you never get even change from a dollar of a dollar from the Saints because they can't give you four quarters? And the other one was, <laughs> um, you know, I left two, two Saints tickets on the dash of my car. Somebody broke in and left two more. You know, so those are the old has Saints anybody lost? Has anybody lost their kids? They're in the Superdome beating up on the Saints. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Saints can't beat the little sisters of the poor and, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. that, I heard them all believe. But, hey, we've come a long way in 50 years. Yeah. Yep, yeah. we have. So we never – I never want to hear That's the really. same old Saints ever again. I hate nope. that. We're a new kind of saints. We lose in different right. ways. That's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, no, thank y'all. No thank y'all for sticking. <laughs> special teams the way that we do. Oh God. Um, yeah. Well. Thank I, you guys for watching. Watching us uh, again. Uh, we always appreciate you guys taking the time. We we always we now go into an hour and a half. It seems every time now. Thank you guys <laughs> really for, for for uh, for sticking with us. And don't forget, April twenty fifth is our big draft show. We will talk about the draft. I will probably have a draft sitting right here. Um, I'll so be there. That's the best way to talk about. It. Yes, Tyler will be there. We'll have my uh, my son here. Who you know, some people accuse that me of. Uh, child endangerment and child abuse by making him a Saints fan and taking the Saints games. But, I mean, that's just how I was. My dad did it to me, so I got to do it to them. Uh, so, anyway, on behalf of Sean and Tyler, thank you guys. Good night, everybody. We love, love you. you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah.